0: Before we start let me let me let me tell you what we're trying to do uh, miss Pam and I've been married for, for 30 years and the the idea of us having a perfect marriage is false our marriage is perfectly imperfect I would probably say we argue just about as much as anybody else in this room um, but we are still together, and your, your marriage is your story. Your story is not going to be ours, and ours is not yours, and there will be some things today that I, I don't want the enemy to say, oh, there's no way your marriage can work because you've not been together since you were 14. That's a lie. Um, the, the tools we want to give you, if you're in your first marriage, these tools will help. If you're in your second marriage, these tools will help. Uh, marriage is, um, um, divorce is not an unpardonable sin, okay? God can still use you. Uh, so I, I want you to know that, that what we're doing is we're not bragging, we're not, we're not saying everything we do is right. In fact, some of the things we're going to tell you today, you won't agree with, and that's cool. Um, but what we do tell you is what we think is true and has worked for us for a long time. So, so just know that. If you're working on your second or third marriage, hey, God can still use you. These things still apply, and uh, we hope to help you out. Brother Don?
1: All right, I was going to wear a referee shirt, but uh, they didn't fight last night, so I thought it would be cool.
0: We didn't fight here.
1: No, yeah. okay. <laughs> that anybody saw? Yeah. And I want to mention that the two of us was written 53 years
0: ago. Oh, no kidding. That yeah, make you feel a little older? Absolutely. Yeah. And,
1: and those, those of you that recognize the oh. song. Uh, okay, we're going to talk. You know, I have never been in a church where our pastor and wife shared what these two shared last night. And I'm going to share with you this morning. So you're getting a real treat. This is kind of a first. It was a first for me and it's going to be a first for you. Uh, let's start off with you were mentioning divorce. Uh, did divorce ever become an option for
2: In about our first six months of marriage, there was something that happened, and it was nothing major, but it made me mad, okay? And when Mike came home, he was gone for a few days. I was
0: 21, you were 35.
2: (laughs) Okay, now we're gonna fight. Okay.
0: I was 21, I think you were 23. I was
2: 23, Mm. yes. anyway, something had happened, we had a disagreement, and he was gone for a few days on a trip. And um, when I worked at the bank, when I got home that day at five o'clock, I was ready. I had the home interior off the wall. I had a suitcase packed that was sitting in the living room of our three-room apartment. And I I was leaving and I thought, I'm five miles from home, I'm I'm going back to mom and dad. And Mike came home that day and um, we sat down together and decided right then and there that divorce would not be an option for us. But I was ready to throw in the towel after six months. Um, Our first six, seven years of marriage was difficult. Uh, we moved 700 miles away, where it was just the two of us, and we moved to, you know, we went from a town of 1,200 people to New Orleans, and it was a major cultural shock, um, just starting out, and we we just had each other. Um, we started pastoring a church. Um, we gave birth to our first child and, and buried her, and it was it was a, a tough time, and but through those difficult times, we decided then and there, early on, that that would never come up as. An option for divorce. Yeah, if
0: the divorce, if divorce wasn't an option, it wasn't on the table. So that was that was kind of a, a big deal for us. And we're we're told that marriage is fifty-fifty, but I think we disagree with that. Um, marriage is a hundred percent and a hundred percent. And if if your your spouse or your partner is slacking. It doesn't take you off the hook. You still have to give 100%. You know, just because the other person may be in a time where they're only given 60% or 70%, that may be the only thing they can give. So it'll be up to you to to, to pull to put out the rest. And same thing, it, it takes 100% from both people. Don't think it's 50-50 because it's not. It's just really not. And that, that kind of helps with the whole idea of we are in this together. Uh, so we better, we better be happy about it, we better love each other because we're not going, if you leave me, then take my bags with you because I'm following. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the decision we have made. And it's not always been, uh, it's not always been easy. I would probably say in the last 20 years, probably, I mean, if I could have been diagnosed, I probably would have had two major meltdowns, nervous-wise. And Pam, Pam stuck with me through all that, um. and she, you know, she's she stayed with me, and I, I can't tell her thank you enough. She's an incredible lady. And until you meet somebody that you want to stay with your whole life, don't marry. Don't don't start it. Uh, but until you can find somebody who, divorce is not an option, stay single.
1: That's good advice. What is there any other advice you would give to, say, a young couple who's maybe in a, a few months of marriage and they're having a rough patch, what, what would you tell them to do?
2: I would say, and I, I've done this several times, I mean, when you have low times in your marriage and sometimes you, you don't even want to be around that person, I would pray to God and I would say, God, help me fall in love with him like I did on that beach back in Florida. And a little background information, we started dating or uh, started going together when we were on a youth trip. My aunt and uncle were actually the youth directors and we went to Florida um and that's where we got together. Mike was called into the ministry on that trip. And I, I told him last night on that same trip, I knew that God was going to call me to marry him. I knew that we would always be together. And, and that happened back in 1984. But, you know. Yeah, try telling
0: your parents, I met the love of my life when you're 13. Uh, it really That was went true. over like a yeah. beer keg oh, at gosh. a Baptist picnic. It, it was horrible. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs>
2: On both sides. On
0: both yes. sides, yeah. It was. it was nuts.
2: But anyway, I would ask God sometimes, you know, I pray God help me to see him like I did when I was 14. And help me to, to fall in love with him all over again and help me to love him like you do. Because there were sometimes, it was difficult for me to, to love him. And um, that's what I would do. I would just pray to God help me. Help me love him again sure. like you do.
0: And just, as I mean, she's hard to love, too. Exactly. I mean, it it takes both on both sides. It's like, okay, you know, the, the, you're only putting out 20% today. I'm going to, you know, I'll do the rest. And sometimes I'm 20%. And hopefully we're not, we, on the days where you're only both half doing it, that's a bad day. All right? So hopefully, hopefully we, I mean, and typically it works out where, where things are okay, but, um we we both have to do a hundred percent. Don, the second decision we made is about priorities.
1: Right, and and you've got two wonderful sons, two great guys, and you mentioned that you, you lost two girls. And how do you prioritize your life with your children, with Pam, with church, with God? How do you how do you align those priorities up?
2: When we first were in New Orleans, and he was in seminary. He was growing so much in his faith, and he was at seminary every day. He was, like, doing, you know, study groups with all these guys, and I was working at the bank. I would come home. He'd be working at at, Dillard's. Dillard's. He was working at Dillard's. So he was growing in his relationship and his faith, and and I was kind of stagnant at that time. And um, he came home one day, and he told me that he learned in seminary about how God should always be first and that you should love God before you love your spouse, that was a hard pill for me to swallow, and I didn't get it at the time. And throughout the last several years, 20, 30 years, I've I, I've learned, you know what? That that's right. And God is at the top of our marriage, and then it's then it's Mike, and then it's my children. And um, we're getting ready to. And I guess I can share this. I did last night. Um, I kept thinking several years ago. I thought, man, for 22 years we've had Lake and Ridge with us. And what are we going to do when we're empty nesters? And Lake is in the process of buying a house, and Ridge is leaving to go to school in August, and it's going to be just the two of us again. But I think because we've <laughs> prioritized our lives, and it was always God, Mike, and then the children, um, I, we're going to be OK. And I, yeah. I've come to that realization, we're going to be OK. Yeah. So.
0: Um. And that has to start early because your kids will leave, and if you still don't like your spouse, you are in for a. I think you're probably in for a bad time. <laughs> uh, your kids are going to leave, so d- make sure that you're still taking care of your spouse uh, because you're you, you're gonna you're gonna stay with that person, especially if divorce isn't an option. You better you better be friends. You better you better be able to get along, and that. Uh, that priority is is important, but let me tell you what that priority looks like. By putting God first, by you putting God ahead of Pam, and Pam putting God ahead of me, literally, what that does is it it, it makes us closer together. Because if we're both going after God, then then our hearts are going to be in sync. We're going to be growing together. We're going to be ser- we serve together in church. We uh, we our our parenting is. It's not always on the same page, but we know what page we should be on. Um, we, we know the answers because Pim and I share the same priority. We're both in love with the same man. Not me, but Jesus, okay? Uh, we're, we're in love with Jesus, and that priority kind of just helps write the playbook for parenting and for marriage and things like that
2: it helps to be equally equally yoked. Oh, equally yoked yes and in the mornings we sit and we have coffee together we read our bible together and pray yeah and
0: now praying it doesn't mean that we're getting by the couch and kneeling down for an hour and a half right. so our prayers could be 15 seconds mm-hmm. um, our bible study looks like me having a cup of coffee and Pam having a cup of coffee reading our bibles that's it it's nothing fancy mm-hmm. uh, but we're doing it together uh, we're doing it as, as a husband and wife, and that's that's a big deal. It doesn't have to be perfect, guys. Just just do those just do that. Those are priorities that you share together, and being equally yoked. Pammy, tell them what equally yoked means.
2: We're both after the, the same thing. We're both after God, searching for God. We're the same religion, um, which helps. But just being tied to, to the person who wants the same things that equally you
0: yoked mean, means is. you marry a Christian. If you're a lost person, you um, and you marry somebody who is saved, or you're saved and you marry somebody who's lost, I'm not going to tell you that your marriage won't work. I'm just saying it's going to be hard uh, because you know if 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 you were if you as a believer are prioritizing God and your spouse is not prioritizing God, they will consider that as jealousy. They will consider that as you're not giving me the best of who you are. And because they don't understand, once you give yourself to God, you become a better you to begin with. You become a better spouse. You become a better parent if you give yourself to God first. And the lost person, they don't understand that, you know. Um, so that's what we mean by uh, don't be unequally yoked. If you're a Christian, marry a Christian.
1: If, if we have some parents here that have young children, you mentioned that, that God's first, your spouse spouse's the second, and your kids are third how do you incorporate God to your kids? What, do you, what are some easy steps that you did that you could share with folks that have some small kids?
0: Go ahead. Okay. okay. Um, you raise your kids in church. Uh, one of the things that, uh, as the man of the house, people, men will say, well, this is my house. If that is your house, then those are your kids, your snotty nose, your dirty, dirty britches and them babies. They need to be changed. That's your dirty carpet. That's your dirty dishes. If that's your house, then man up, take care of it. Um, I think it's been important for the kids to see that I didn't marry my mother. I didn't marry Pam to wash my dishes, clean my clothes. I my shirts. In fact, I iron my own shirts. I didn't marry my wife. I'm sorry, I didn't marry my mom. I don't need her to take care of me. Uh, I want my sons to realize that it's your job as a husband to take care of your wife, and it's not her job to make sure that she's your mom. That's just weird. Uh, and I think the biggest thing that you can do for your kids, besides raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, is that your kids need to know that you love their mom. They need to know that you miss mom when she's not here they need to know that no matter what mom and i are going to be together and to me i don't know if our kids think it's important but i think one of the biggest gifts we've given that i could have given my kids is that they know that i love their mom and i always will
2: and something else on sunday mornings i would lay the clothes out but mike it was his job to get the kids ready for church because he was a spiritual leader in our house he still is and so i would lay the clothes out for him Saturday night, but Mike always made sure that they were ready, and he was the one who, who got them ready for church every Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, we had a game plan for Sunday morning because of the boys. We always had to get them ready the night before, all the things laid out. They knew what was going to go on because on Sunday morning, it's, y'all was, uh, it seemed like we always want to fight on Sunday morning. Um, so if, if you can minimize the possibility for conflict as a parent, that's definitely one of them. Have things laid out overnight uh, on Saturday night before you get up on Sunday morning.
1: Yeah. Okay. You mentioned mom, and was there ever times in your life as a married couple when Mike made you mad and it was like, I'm going to call my mom, I'm, I'm going to run home, or, or Mike, uh, things aren't going right around the house, I'm going to get dad, and maybe he can help me with this, or I'm going to tell him what Pam's been doing. you ever had moments in your life like that?
2: Absolutely. And I learned early on. I can remember at one time we got Hold into it. Hold on a second.
0: Is Joe in here? Is Joe okay? <sighs> Love you, Paige. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Hallelujah.
2: Anyway, we had gotten into a disagreement, Mike and I, and when we first got married, like I said, I worked at a bank for 13 years, and so that kind of tra- that followed us as we went, and that was a really good Decision for us, for me to to work at a bank. It, it always followed me from town to town. I could always get a job. But anyway, he was working at a factory, and so he worked second, third shifts, a lot of hours that first year. And I would be He's home trying to
0: save money for seminary.
2: Yes, I would be home in the evenings by myself, and so I would live five miles away from mom and dad. So I would see them a lot. And I can remember talking to my mom about a disagreement that we had, and you know, I told her my side of the story, what happened, blah, blah, blah. And the next time, Sunday dinner, when Mike was there, I noticed my mom was like, she was real standoffish to him. And I'm like, what's up with her? So the next time we were alone, I said, mom, why were you like that? And she said, I didn't appreciate what he said to you. And I learned that, and there was like this light bulb that went off. We're going to get through our disagreements. I mean, we might be mad at each other a couple of days, always saying I love you, but when we do disagree, but, um, when you, you do that, we're going to get through it, but mom and dad have a tendency to remember that, okay? And that whole 1 Corinthians th- chapter 13, love keeps no records of wrong. I think sometimes our parents do remember those things, and so therefore— Yeah, daddies don't ever forget, yeah.
0: neither do moms. Right,
2: and so I learned early on that you can't go and run to mom and dad or to your best friends or whatever and talk to them about your problems that you have inside your marriage
0: especially mom and dad. Now that doesn't mean you can't go to mom and dad for help, especially in the area of finances. I think, you know, if, if you're a parent and you've not had kids ask for help financially, then you are definitely in the minority. Uh, I'm not saying that. I mean, your parents can, can help out with that. But when it comes down to the, the nuts and bolts of the inner workings of the interpersonal relationship between you as a husband and a wife, don't tell your mom and dad if you're having problems. I, it, uh, that, that, that was our decision. And that might be one of those things, well, I disagree. Um, it worked for us. I don't know if I don't know if we would have stayed together. I mean, because, uh, you know.
2: But if you make the decision that divorce is not an option, you don't have a home to go to. That's right. So it, it falls back into that word is not an option for us, so therefore you work out whatever happens between yeah. the two of you.
0: Yeah. So that's that. That's that. Okay.
1: Uh, in a relationship, you have strengths and you have weaknesses, what would you say are some of your strengths and weaknesses individually, and how do you incorporate that together as a couple?
2: Mike likes to spend money. Okay.
0: We've made that decision together, that Mike likes to spend he money.
2: He likes to wear shoes that match his shirts, the eyeglasses. You'll see this spring. Uh, he brings those out. Vans. Uh, he likes to hunt. He likes to fish. Yep. And... um if he paid the bills, I, he thinks if there's money in the bank, you have, you know, you have money. Well, that's not always true. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so we decided early on with, um, I learned how to, to budget money and to balance a checkbook, so I've always taken care of our finances. Yeah, but
0: your background's in banking. Right. Yes, yeah. and
2: so I'll have to reel him in. I don't ever tell him what to do, but I mean, I said, hey, you need to watch, watch what you're doing. So that's one thing, Arian, where uh, he's a weak and I'm, I'm stronger.
0: Right. Uh, we do not try to help each other develop our weaknesses um, I knew who Pam was when I married her and Pam knew who I was when she married me we knew what we were getting into if we get married and I try to change her then I've given, I'm have given. i not being fair to her and she tries to change me she's not being fair to me this is who we are So instead of trying to work on our weaknesses or, you know, me trying to point out your weaknesses or vice versa, we just, we know what each other's strengths are. And we have a team Fogerson approach, it's me and Pam against the world. Uh, And we could be fighting, but if there is an outside threat, whatever we're fighting about is done and over with because now our superpowers have united. And now we are going to fend off the threat. Um, it, is, it is Mike and Pam against everybody else. Um, that is team Fogerson. No matter what, even if I'm wrong, my wife will have my back. I can literally trust her with my soul. And if she drops it, then I'm going to assume she's going to be right there with me too because that's how much I trust her. Uh, and Pam can trust me with her soul. She knows at the end of the day it is team Fogerson. Uh, it's it's going to be me and her, and it always has been. And that is, that is part of working on our, on our strengths. I compliment her. She compliments me. Uh, that's the way it's worked. Yeah. We don't try to help each other develop our weaknesses. That's a waste of time. If you haven't got it by now, that's okay. not going to happen. That's,
1: that's, that makes a, lot of, makes a lot of good sense for anybody. And I would like to mention uh, for guys especially... As long as you have a check in your checkbook, money and PayPal are on your debit card, you're okay. You're fine, yeah. The wife will figure it out later on.
0: One more thing I want to add on that. Um, with the team focus and approach, uh, if Pam wins in whatever she's doing, whether it's professionally, whether it's with cakes, whether whatever it is, if Pam wins and she's shining, we win. If Mike is shining and he's doing well, we win. It's not, oh, look at Pam, or all oh, look at Mike. It's, it, it's, it's team Vogerson. Other people may not think that, but that's the way we're seeing it. That's the way we're living our life as, as, as a team.
1: Okay. Well, let's get into a little bit more PG-13 borderline R-rated material. The dirty? Um, let's, let's talk about intimacy a bit. Okay. Okay?
0: Yeah. How important is it? A very big deal. Pam, you want to hit this one tonight?
2: I'm going to let you take care of that.
0: This sucker, last night we were talking about uh, the decision we made is that uh, we're going to make intimacy matter. I'm going to be honest with you. There's three things people typically fight about in marriage. Uh, Money, sex, and kids. Those three. So... We have, we're about out of the kid thing. Uh, money, you know, we've been poor and we've had money. I prefer to have money, you know, but we're older now. And so, you know, we got a couple of nickels in our pocket, so that's not really a big deal. Uh, but I, I'm, uh, sex can be a, a, sex for men is very, a big, it's a big deal, it's, a, it's important. And for whatever reasons, you know, uh, that can be an issue. So what we decided to do is this. Um, you know, if, if I had my way about it, frequency would be uh, way up here, all right? That would make me happy. Uh, Ms. Pam is not wired that way. Uh, and what typically happens in a marriage is the man, you know, the frequency is, is higher than the woman. And the woman's, re- the, the woman's response will be then, I, I won't do anything. So now you have the man who is incredibly frustrated, and you've got the woman who has weaponized sex, and that's where people get in trouble. Well, if you're not, if you're not meeting my need, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, that's not how that works. In fact, uh, what I'm about to tell you, it works for us. It's not romantic, uh, but that's okay. All right, uh, for me it's fine you know the the worst intimacy I ever had was fantastic, so it, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> the there has there has to be an agreement of of x amount of frequency over a period of time men uh, uh, women that doesn't sound oh that sounds clinical it sounds formula uh, formula a uh, formula. Uh, form- it sounds like it's regimented, uh, formal, maic. You know what I'm saying. Uh, but the truth of the ma- but, but, but this works for us. I'm not going to say it works for you. It works for us. I am happy. She's happy. We're happy. Uh, the answer is is not to take intimacy off the table. Um, if you're if you're still enjoying it, you're still physically able to enjoy it. Sex was built to be enjoyed in marriage. That's that's the. That's the hunting ground. That's where it's. That's where the blessing comes. First um, Corinthians chapter seven: the wife's body is not her own; it belongs to her husband. in the same way, the the man's body is not his own; it belongs to his wife. If they uh, neglect each other, it should only be for for praying and fasting uh, for a, for a time, and then come back together. That's in First uh, Corinthians chapter seven. So read that. Uh, is if, if intimacy is a big issue, I mean, if, if it's something you still enjoy doing, please make sure your spouse knows about that. Do not let it be a reason. If you're not satisfied, don't ever use it. It's never reason to go outside the marriage for 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 intimacy. You never have a reason to do that. It, just because the number is not being met, it doesn't mean you can do that. I'm just saying this is something that helps. Uh, we found a happy medium, struck it, and... 30 years down the road, we're still there. Really?
2: You took the only line I had, and Did I forgot to punch you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, was for you to be what honest. was it? About dissatisfaction, about never look, there's never a reason to seek intimacy outside your relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that the big thing is uh, you have to make sure that you're satisfying your, your spouse uh, intimately. You know, if, if, if you can, if it's possible. Um, but if you're not being satisfied, it's not a reason that you can leave. And as we get older, um, our bodies change. Um, and we get self-conscious because things go south and whatever. Um, but I, Pim, Pim knows that I adore her. I love her. She's, you know, the sexiest woman I've ever seen. I am just, just, just love her. Um, and as women get older, as, as Pam gets older, she feels more uh, conscientious about her body. Uh, and men can sometimes be the worst on that. When I see Miss Pam, um, her body is the story of us. Every stretch mark is a baby it 's a journey we went through everything that has moved i 've been there for every movement it it 's who we are you know she 's not a sixteen year old woman anymore and i 'm not a sixteen year old boy anymore uh, we 're old people double a r p card holders uh, but I still find her just as just as attractive as a sixteen uh, when she was sixteen. Uh, as I do now that, that she's 50-something. Um, that, that body is, 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 it's ours. It's our story. And I, I just think that's always, I mean, that's always sexy. It's always beautiful. It's always encouraging. I just, I, 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 you know, I, those things tell a story. Okay? You want me to shut, the, shut up? All right. You're then, everybody then tell, at this point. Well, you guys have let me talk, all right? So somebody stop me. That's on you.
1: All right. We're talking about biting the tongues. Uh, how many times in a, in a week or a month do you find yourself having to bite your tongue in a relationship?
2: I don't think that we fight as much as we used to. I don't think. However, you may not know this about me, but I come from a long line of women in my family who are gifted with the gift of sarcasm. Okay. I think you
0: should drop names. Aunt Janice.
2: <laughs> Aunt Janice and my mom, uh, for Ma. sure. Yeah. Danny. Um, Danny. My sister. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so when we would get into a knockdown dragout, my tongue would just start going, and like I said, I could be so sarcastic, and I I know how to push his buttons, and he knows how to push mine. Um, but over the years, I have prayed for God to help me to tame my tongue and he has helped me with that. And man, that 10-second rule, that really does work because what is I will, before you respond, you count the 10. Uh, it can help with, I mean, you can work with your children, with students at school, and especially with your spouse, but I can count to 10 and just wait and I'll say, God help me not say what I want to say, and he will help me do that, but I, I have been able to. Uh,
0: it gets easier as we get older. It, it
2: does. But, I mean, I could still be sarcastic if I really, really wanted to. It sounds like you but want I mean, to. I don't. <laughs> After that last question, yes, I could be, but I'm, okay. I'm not going to.
0: I think what I add on that is that we decided that tongues heal quicker than feelings. Yes. So we bite tongues quite frequently. Uh, because once words are out, they can't come back. And even if you say them in a time of pain or or whatever, uh, they, those those injuries from, from words said out of anger linger for a very long time. And so, so bite the tongue often. Uh, one of the things I've been trying to work on for a year is that whenever Pam and I are arguing, I try not to start a... I think I've told you this. I try not to start a sentence with the word you. Like if we're fighting, I don't say you never or you said. You, just don't start a sentence with you when we're arguing. And that, that's kind of been a help, I think, for me. I'm trying, I'm not, I'm not great at it, but I'm trying. Because I mean, when you stop trying to, when I stop trying to pick out her weaknesses, worry about mine, things get done, the, the, the resolve comes quicker.
1: What about when your boys were small, uh, did you take any steps to not argue in front of them?
0: No, we argued in front of those kids. Uh, and I'll tell you why uh, I want my kids to know that you can argue with your spouse and that doesn't mean your marriage stinks I wanted, we wanted them to see that mom and dad can argue and not throw in the taut towel we work through our crap and we're going to love each other and that's okay we're going to stay together just because you disagree with somebody it doesn't mean you don't have to stay it doesn't mean you leave them it means you work through your stuff. And that's what we wanted to, to show our kids. And and that's worked, I, you know, I say it's worked for us. It's worked for us so far. Uh, but no, we fight. We, we fought in front of our kids. We fight in front of our kids. Okay. Pam, you want to back me up on any of this?
2: Um, we do. Not everything. <clears throat> Not every fight is in front of them. But right. I mean, Not every, yeah. Right.
0: Please don't take any of this to the extreme yes. one way or the other.
1: Okay. Well, I... I think we've hit to the bottom of our list. We don't have a number seven. Seven is evident. There were
0: only six decisions we made. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, there is no seventh decision. These are the six. Well, that's, so, we tried. Okay. I thought seven was a good round number. but.
1: And I think on behalf of the church, I, I, I thank you and applaud you for being bold enough to share what you've shared with us this morning, what you shared last night. I think uh, it hit homes for a lot of
0: us. Very good. You're certainly welcome. We've wanted to do this for a very, very long time. Uh, But I don't think we could have done it until we got to the 30th year. Um, Don, we would take a question or two if you want to do that. We've all got a couple of minutes.
1: Anybody have a a question, a marital question, or anything else? Nobody wants to raise.
0: Oh! All right. You're welcome. Thank you. you can't do anything anymore. Amen. You can't, yeah. you can't change anything. You can't right. Listen, do, 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 do it now. Thank you, Wilma. Thank you. God bless you. And for those of you who couldn't hear Wilma at home, she said uh, she was married for 40 years, Doc's gone. And she said, you can't work on it when they're gone. So work on it while they're here, make it count here. Thank you, Wilma. Anybody else? We're going to cut you loose. How's that? Um, Got a banner to show. Oh, yeah, buddy. (coughs) You want to help me with that banner? (coughs) Guys, what's going to happen is as we are (coughs) at the endemic, we (coughs) we are going to start focusing and making our Saturday night services really geared towards uh, young families. And our Saturday night service right now, we just started as a way to deal with the pandemic. Uh, but, Donna, well, how many we had last night? About 47, 47. So we have 50 people here Saturday night. Uh, y'all, did, How many of y'all knew that? We have a whole other church here on Saturday night, all right? Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to intentionally try to gear our Saturday night service for those families with young kids. Because Saturday, Sunday mornings are hard for families with kids. You can sleep in on Sunday morning. Uh, we have church on s- uh, Saturday night. And on uh, April 23rd, we're going to start Miss Schaefer's Children's Church. Uh, Miss Schaefer did not want that name. She wanted to be Chester First Baptist Church. But the truth of the matter is, if you want anybody to teach your kids, Schaefer is the Cadillac name. Okay? Amen. Schaefer is, you know, the cat's meow. And so... Uh, against against her will uh, she she said I understand what you're doing so we're going to have miss Schaefer's children's church that will start for the general public April 23rd which is a Saturday night it will start for you April 9th we're going to have two weeks of soft launch before our folks come before we really focus on that and by the way April 23rd that's a Saturday after Easter it's all it's all uh, it, it's a strategy okay and that's what we're doing uh, but we have about 20 of these guys we're in about a grand we're gonna put these uh, we're gonna put these uh, out by Fern Valley Road out by Menard wherever we think people will see them we're gonna put them up uh, so what we would like to do if you would like to to help uh, finance this uh, some folks gave Wednesday night some folks gave last night but if you want to give for that today we uh, Jane is in the back. Jane will take that check from you. She'll take the cash from you, and she will put that into a fund. It will be used to help uh, advertise what we're doing there on Saturday nights. But our, our Saturday night services are growing. It's crazy. So uh, if you want to help with that, make sure you we, – we could use the help. So give it to Jane before, uh, before you leave. Jane, in fact, if you don't mind, uh, when you're done there, go to the foyer, and people can give it to you, okay? Any questions? an exciting time uh the sunday at the weekend after easter we're going to have that 70s worship service we're going to do 70s the weekend after easter if you will have polyester if you have corduroy uh we're going to have a big time that weekend so those are things down the road but we're uh, we're really gearing up for the the uh, holy week y'all that's all i have i'm going to ask you to stand up would you give miss pam a great big round of applause and brother don they did a great job And tonight, tonight, we are having a praise and worship service. We will have supper this evening, breakfast for supper from 5 to 6. And at 6 o'clock, we have a very special one-on-Sunday night worship service. We're going to have people testifying. We're going to have people worshiping. It's going to be a very brief service, 30 to 45 minutes. But it's a time for us to come back together and to worship and get energized and encourage one another. That's all I have. Larry, are you here? Would you want to lead us in a word of closing prayer? I think you're cooking pancakes tonight, right? You're cooking eggs? You've been warned. Would you lead us in a word of closing prayer, Brother Larry? Thank you.